again. Psalms 8. For the music director, according to the Giddeth style, a psalm of David. O Lord, O Lord, how magnificent is your name. How magnificent is your reputation throughout the whole earth. You reveal your majesty in the heavens above. From the mouths of children and nursing babies, you've ordained praise on account of your adversaries so that you might put an end to our vindictive enemy. When I look up at the heavens, which your fingers made, and see the moon and the stars which you have set in place, of what importance is the human race that you should even notice us. Of what importance is mankind that you should even pay attention to them? You made them a little less than the heavenly beings. You've granted mankind honor and majesty. You appoint them to rule over the creation placed everything under their authority, including all the sheep and cattle, as well as all the wild animals. The birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, and everything that moves through the currents of the seas. Lord, we declare your magnificence this morning. We declare your glory and your reputation throughout all the earth. Amen.
skies above I take my chances with this God of love Every other option is not enough Oh, I've got to have you And I raise my voice to the top of my lungs And I join the foolish in unknown tongues And I live my spirit, my soul from this world Take my chances with this God of love. Every other option is not enough. I've got to have you, Yahweh. And I raise my voice to the top of my lungs. And I join the foolish and unknown tongues. And I live my spirit and my soul from this world to you. And I say with the Lord this morning, rise up, Lord. Deliver me, O oh my God. Yes, you will strike my enemy on the jaw, and you will break the teeth of the wicked. The Lord delivers. The Lord is our deliverance. The Lord is the one who gives favor to his people. You favor us, Lord. You favor your people.
carrying strength to you, God. Nothing in this world happens by chance. It's a shadow of your movement. Do you feel the wind blow? It's the angels. It's not just nature. It's not just happen chance. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. He has created all things. He has ordered all things. In him and by him and through him and for him all things. All things ascribe to him glory and strength. Ascribe to him glory and strength. Oh, quit ascribing to the God of man. Quit ascribing to the devil. Ascribe to him. Ascribe to him glory and strength. Glory and strength. Glory and strength. Oh, you may have taken us into Egypt, but you will deliver us out of Egypt. Oh, you are God of the mountain. You are God of the valley. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Glory to your name, the name above all names. Glory to your name. Ascribe glory and strength to his name. Praise the name, praise the name. Glory to your name, glory to your name. Come, Lord of hosts. Come, Lord of hosts. Glory to the name of God. So we're going to do something a little different now. just want you to move around, give people hugs, love on each other. We're going to do that now. Okay, just go around and bless each other, love on each other.
sets a table Oh, he seats me at the table in the presence of my enemies I will not fear for he has set me, he has set me chances with this God of love and every other option every other option is nothing to you I want to go back through this Psalms 3 again with you. 
I, w- I just want you to hear this as as we trans- just transition to the next phase of worship and praise that's taking place this morning. David was saying that he, he had numerous enemies that were coming against him all the time. He was going through like one thing after another. Just uh, this problem and that problem was presenting itself and coming against him. And many were actually probably verbally or trying to physically attack him. And they were saying this thing, and it may have been running concurrent into his mind, or it, you know, it was something he was thinking about or meditating on. He says, and they say this about you, that God is never going to deliver you. That there is no deliverance for you, David. If you placed all your trust in him, this God that you cannot see, and your deliverance is not going to come. And this is running in his mind, you know. And in, in, in this Psalms there, he says, Selah. You know, pause and think about this. And sometimes, I, you know, I don't know what you're, what's affecting you all during the week, but sometimes... We have things presenting themselves, and they're, you know, I was asking the Lord this morning what's happening. He says that your enemy is presenting himself. He's, 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 uh, he's exposing himself, which is a really good sign when your enemy begins to expose his tactic to you. And you begin to become aware of what he's been playing against you and your family. Because deception sometimes cannot be... Deception by nature cannot be seen. But when the enemy begins to expose himself, his tactic and what he has been employing against you begins to be opened up to your purview. You begin to you begin to behold the thing that had been maybe hidden there. Has this ever happened to anybody? You know what I mean? Like it was like you were in the presence of doing something all the time and then all of a sudden this exposure comes and your awareness comes to something that you've never been aware of but it's been around you the whole time and in that way I I believe this that your enemy is the one who promotes you we've looked at our enemy a lot of times and thought I'm going to run as far away from my enemy is I can but the Lord says I prepared a table for you what in the presence of my enemy I mean even at the supper table even the thing that seems like it's coming or whatever it's manifesting itself has been an enemy to me was in, in a highly relational way is right there so that enemy, what it's whispering in your ear and it's whispered in my ear is, he will not deliver you. I believe it when I see it. And God God would say, and I, I believe this is a transition that you have to make in your eyes. You got to look and transition your gaze over from that message coming out of your enemy and look into the one gaze into the beauty of his eyes and what that's what's happening in the human heart and the human spirit not going to look at what says and what my past has said and what i'm concerned about my future i'm going to change my gaze and 
he says this, but you, O oh Lord, you're my shield. You're the one who protects me. And in your heart right now, transition your gaze over to the Lord and look at his eyes. The eyes, behold the eyes of love and the eyes of goodness. The goodness that will overtake you and the mercy that will come on you. It's a transition and he says this. I say this, something else is in my glory, but you are. I don't receive glory from anything or anybody else but from you. You're my glory. You're my crown. I'm transitioning my gaze this morning onto the eyes of the Lord. You're the one who brings restoration to me and to my family. Fixing my eyes on you, the author and finisher of my faith. I transition right now. Just allow your heart to move and just say, you're my glory. You're exposing my enemy to me. Some of that enemy's been in me. It's been playing on me. And some of that enemy's been around me. But I'm not looking at my enemy. I'm looking at you. My heart is set on you. Yes, I've been through the valley of Bakken. I've been weeping. I've been through a place of darkness. Yeah. But my heart sings a song of Zion. I sing a new song, a song maybe I've never heard before. And I allow my transition, my case. Blessed is the one who believes without seeing. Because they look on me and hear And I cried out to the Lord. And the answer comes from the case. And lift up your head, oh you gaze. Everlasting doors, and the King of Glory will come in. Just transition your gaze. The eyes of the heart move them towards Him. Then we can praise the Lord. They worship the Lord like He deserves to be praised.
has eyes to see. I want to ask the question, what does that mean when Jesus says, if you have eyes? Obviously, what we do with our natural eyes affects us. Job said he made a covenant with his eyes. David said, don't look to the left or the right, but keep your eyes straight ahead. It's our natural eyes. Um, but when Jesus says, when God says, he who has eyes, he's talking about something else. And it's not the third eye. It's not the psychic eye. It's the eyes of the heart. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. It's like your heart lights up and then your eyes begin to see in a way that is, is beyond the natural. And it's not because it's psychical, it's because it's God in his love filling the human heart. And out of that place come eyes that are like fire. It's like lava that begins to fill up and your eyes begin to see with love that you're, it's not from you, it's from him. light, the heat in your eyes. I am complete. In your eyes, I see a doorway to a thousand churches. In your eyes, I see Asheville lit up on the streets. Light after light after light after light after light after light. In your eyes, I see through the darkness. In your eyes, I see the human heart. In your eyes, I see you hugging this person and that person and that person and that person. And I see, I see.
God goes to war. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. And I see heaven opened, and here came a white horse. And the one riding on it is called Faithful and True. You're the just one who judges and goes to war. And your eyes are like a fiery flame. And there's a diadem of crowns on your head. And you see him with me. He has a name written that no one knows except himself. And he's dressed in clothing, dipped in blood. He's called the word of God. armies that are in the heaven even now are dressed white and clean in fine linen following him on a white horse and from his mouth extends a sharp sword so that he can strike the nations I say you're the ruler I say you're the king I magnify your office Jesus now to rule, rule with your iron rod now, oh bring the wine press and soak it in your fury, Lord, you're the name above every name, word of God, faithful and true, come into this midst of us, Lord, we invite you, King. Welcome to Zion! Welcome to Zion! 
dressed in white, seated on the white horse, come. Only you can make right. Only you can make right. You give up control. Only you can make right. You truly are Lord. Lord and Master, Adonai, even so come, even so come, even so come, don't hold on to anything but Him, He is Lord and Master, Adonai. and his mercy is strong even so come even so come shines on you. For look, darkness is covering the earth, and deep darkness the nations. But the Lord shines on you. His splendor appears over you. Look all around you. They all gather and come to you. Your sons come from far away, and your daughters are escorted by the guardians look and smile. You will be excited with your heart as it swells up. For the riches of this land belong to you. And the wealth of nations will come to you. Who are you? The word of God made flesh. You're our king. You're Yahweh. You're holy and true. Describe your faithfulness this morning. And we hold your word. Soul, you're the 
saw that white horse gallop yes I saw a bunch of you get on yours too yeah you've heard that passage is if you run with the footman how you gonna deal with horses (laughs) if the footmen have wearied you well welcome to the Calvary yeah yeah. <laughs> Good transition from infantry to cavalry this morning. He said, isn't that cool cavalry? Oh, yeah. yeah, that's good. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Amen. Yeah, cavalry to have cavalry. Let's, uh, let's turn to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4. The word, he's so last minute sometimes, and... And then sometimes he's not. <laughs> he's like, oh, you're going to be in 2 Corinthians 4 today. I was like, oh, okay, thank you. Thank you for the heads up. No pun intended. Years ago when I used to come across 2 Corinthians 4, I always was like, I don't want to read that chapter. You know, I don't know. But after I began to love Job, I was okay with 2 Corinthians 4. <laughs> Because in 2 Corinthians 4, you have perseverance. And Paul's going to begin to describe the perseverance that he's going to um, enact and, and walk out. And, and I think this is very important. Apparently, it's very important to the Lord this morning concerning perseverance. And in the worship, he was saying to me, there's generally speaking, a couple narratives that are running in our life. There's a, the narrative that's going on in your life based out of what you see, circumstantially. And then there's a narrative, which I think some of you have seen me put out some on this, called the Teva narrative. A Teva means that which is not made with man's hands. 
There's another narrative that God has, our Father has, that he's ascribed to your life. And that's the narrative of what we are actually engaging with in the worship this morning is to see his narrative. Because many of us, we're like, we're looking at our circumstances, our situation, we're saying it's playing out this way and it's playing out that way. But then there'll be this thing and it should be at the forefront of our eyes. What is the Lord saying? Many times David, he'll say in these really troubling times, and you'll see this all throughout the passages concerning the king that had the heart after God, he'll say, let the Lord decide. And so in the narrative of everyday life, there's generally three options. You have one that's based in the left, one that's based in the right, and then the royal way. The one in the left is usually based in anxiety, fear, and retribution. The one in the right is usually based in vanity, anger, and individualism. Let's just, you know, there's all kinds of ways I can lay this out. And so we come up to these choices that we're making every day, and the Lord is challenging us with a, a Teva narrative, a narrative that is off of the, it's off the world's plate. The world doesn't get it. Sometimes family members don't get it. Uh, Paul is going to introduce this today, and God is going to call us in the middle of the Teva narrative to perseverance. And he's going to set, to set something forward in your eyes or in your vision for you to go after. He's going to set an objective. An objective based in his word that he wants you to go for. It's his narrative. And it's going to require you to trust and believe him, but also in the middle of trust and believe him to persevere. And a lot of times we don't like to hear that word, especially in a consumer materialistic culture, you need to wait. You know, you've heard that phrase, the best things come to the what? Those who wait. There's truth in that. And in, and in this way, God is setting a narrative out in front of you, a narrative that he's designed for you, maybe in your family, and he's saying, I want you to go on the line for what I'm saying to you. And I'm going to tell you that more than likely it will be impossible with you. It's going to be impossible. It's going to be relationally impossible. It's going to be financially impossible. And it's going to be uh, physically impossible. The Lord always deals in those three areas, finances, relationships, and in your health, in, in your own ability. And he's going to put this narrative out and he's going to say and put something in front of you that you cannot bring to bear. You're not even going to be able to cover it. You're not going to be able to make it happen. And I'm going to tell you the reason why so much of the church has pew set is because they gave up on the Teva narrative. They said that there's some future reality, Jesus coming back, and he is, and I'm going to sit back and wait. 
That's, that's one position. I'm going to sit back and, and just wait and take it easy. And I'm going to do my thing in this world just to get by until the king comes back. Some people, they take it the other way and they say, I'm not going to just sit back. I'm going to work as hard as I can to bring God's will into this world and make it happen by the force of my sheer will. And the Lord would say, and if you don't listen to X2M90, go back and listen to it on Abraham and Sarah sitting in their threshold tent door waiting on the promise, a promise that they cannot perform on, make happen or anything. And God's going to deliver on his promise. And they had persevered because God is looking for a certain quality, I believe, of himself in us. And it's in that perseverance and in that waiting that he is making us into and restoring his image and likeness into us. So Paul begins, therefore, since we have this ministry... Let me just go ahead and say, if you're a believer, you have a ministry. Don't separate ministry and business. Everything you do every day is to be before the Lord. No matter what your vocation is, it is for him. Now, let me say, when John Calvin, in his day, people were starting to convert, and they would completely leave their jobs because they knew that they had been bought with a price and they would leave their vocation, wait on the Lord for him to declare what they were going to do with the rest of their life. They took Romans 12 serious. The disciples took it very serious. They took their path of discipleship serious. I am not my own anymore. I've been bought with a price. Now I'm going to wait to see what the king tells me to do. I'm not running my own my own show, my own program anymore. So what I'm getting at is every one of you have a ministry before the Lord. This isn't, this is a ministry. I've been called to Stephen. Austin's called in this ministry. But we have other functions that we function in. Every single one of you, male, female, the adults, children, grandparents, you have a ministry to the Lord. And so some people, they disqualify themselves right out the gate on Paul. He's not like me. I don't. He's unrelatable. That's what I wanted to do with Paul. <laughs> I wanted to make him unrelatable. Even though I was called into full-time ministry, I was like, I'd rather make him unrelatable. This guy's going, I mean, who wants to get beat with, you know, throw stones at and whipped and. <laughs> What's that? Right. So just as God has shown us mercy. We're not going to be discouraged. He's given me something, you something you don't deserve. And I tell you, a lot of times, uh, what happens right here can be, a lot of times for a lot of people, is discontentment. And discontentment will always bring discouragement. It's a thankful heart that he gave me mercy. It changes your whole entire profile of your day. Contentment with godliness is great gain and so he's saying because i received mercy i can't be discouraged do you see what he's doing because one of the things that's going to hit you in the middle of perseverance and waiting you see it and what you have to do this is why you'll see me act wild up here you know why 
Because I know if I can plug in to worship and praise him with my whole entire self, it'll transition my whole entire mindset. I've learned that. I've learned that I'm going to give him praise if I don't feel like it. I asked him when we started Collider, I said, what do I do? He said, demonstrate your relationship with me on that platform. Demonstrate how you get in a closet. Or you've not fit into a closet. Kara could get in closets. I've not been able to get in there. We both got in there one day. It was... You know, you can't really move around much. <laughs> but demonstrate your love and affection for me in the, in, in the context of other people. Lose your mind if, you know. Go for me. Go all in. And, and then they'll say, you know what? It's okay to act like that. <laughs> or not. You don't have to act like me. But to give him praise in the middle of your perseverance is a quality, I believe, that Jesus, the Father, is looking for in us. Yeah. You're like, give them all the objections. I, I feel like the, the Father's like, give them all the objections to the word that I gave them and see what they'll do. Let everything tell them that it's not a reality and see what they'll do. And it's, well, you don't care about me. Don't love me. I'm a loser. I'll never amount to anything. Whatever, you know, in the whole head game that goes on with so, uh, okay, it's, I've done it, all of it. He don't care about me. You know, it's, uh, in order to sit there and wait, you want to get out of your self-pity? <laughs> I'm going to make this thing happen. I'll show you. <laughs> Are you going to get out of your self-righteousness? You know, when you finally just calm down and come to rest, maybe the tears come and you say, Lord, I praise you. Yeah. I praise you for your mercy. I praise you for your goodness in the middle of my perseverance. I praise you before I even see that what, has, what you have declared in my life is a reality. Blessed is the one who, right, who believes without seeing. I am turned my eyes towards you. And, 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 and then this way, the next thing comes, he says, and we have rejected shameful hidden deeds. So in the middle of perseverance, not only comes this issue with contentment or an issue with uh, turning our contentment, saying, great is your mercy in the middle of possible discouragement. But next what comes is a lot of times I've, I've found this. The exposure begins to come to my, my lack of integrity. Because I'm going to tell you what God wants out of us is truth. You'll get the shakedown. See if the, if the very word of God that you're standing on, that you believe it. Truth is a person. I'm going to believe you in my, my whole entire self. You, you gave me this promise. I'm in the middle of perseverance. I'm, okay, I'm going to take your Teva narrative. I finally am like going to say you're great in mercy. I'm going to trust you. I found contentment in the middle of the everyday, uh, whatever it is. I feel joy. And now some exposure may come. An exposure to test, uh, frame us down, and, well, maybe I can slip a little lie on the side there. Uh, maybe I can um, manipulate something. No, I'm going to try to control it. And Paul's saying, listen, he's saying, I reject that mode of life of manipulation and control. I'm not going to be motivated by fear and, or anxiety and anger. 
I'm going to be motivated by your word, and I'm going to wait on you. I renounce, I reject, I declare that anything that's hidden, that is not right and doesn't line up with you, and, and I'm going to tell you this is what we're getting at about God seeing. I renounce all hidden deeds, anything of activity in my life that is not conforming to the word of God. Now, I'll tell you, that's where the next offense comes because the Lord didn't make me a preacher because I was a good person. <laughs> I just will tell you all that. He made me one because I had to go through so much of this. It's very, very personal. I'm putting exposure on you because I want you to confess the truth at your core. I don't want you working an angle. I want you to sit under the perseverance of my word, looking only at me, and I want you to trust me, and I want you to say that when I come to correct you, discipline you, because he will. Because if you're his son, Hebrews chapter 12, that's how he disciplines his sons and daughters. He comes to you. He says, don't get discouraged when I bring discipline. Don't get mad, hot-headed when I bring discipline. And the discipline comes. And it was something maybe you would have never recognized. That's one of the things with this about renouncing hidden deeds is you can't recognize a hidden deed. You've been living with yourself your whole life. <laughs> and other people have too. <laughs> now somebody else might be able to see your hidden deed. And maybe we need to listen to that. But you can't. You don't want to go around in self-protection, protecting that place in your heart and saying, it's okay for me to get on the way that I am. Paul is saying, no, I'm going to have a renunciation of anything that is deceptive within my heart. I'm not going to agree with it. When the tender Holy Spirit comes to you and his kindness leads you to repentance, I don't, I'm going to say, please do this in my life. I'm going to ask him for it. Come and reveal that which is hidden within me, that which is born out of deception. I want it out of me. The John 3, that he that is of the light will come to the light so that his deeds will be reproved. And that he that is not of the light runs from the light because his deeds are evil. Run into the light, right? He said, I'm running into this light because why? I see, I see something, one who stands forth. I see a vision of what he's placed in me in an objective, namely himself. But not just his character, but that he would give you his reward as well. Because he's double Im imputer. Jesus will give you both his righteousness and his reward. And I mean that in a natural way. I mean that in an anthropological way. I mean in that in a daily need way. He's not just wanting to refine and uh, restore your character to look like himself. He wants to take care of you in every way in your life. To pay, pay your bills. To cover your expenses. To take care of your health. And to help you in your relationships where they're hitting and bumping up against each other to give you the wisdom in relationship. Anybody had relationship issues before? 
and nothing you do seems to be able to reconcile that problem. It's like a int. Uh, Janie uses this word sometimes. Int and an int and an int. You know, and oh, that hurts again. Um, it's painful. That being said, uh, Stephen introduced a book to me by C.S. Lewis. I just make a plug for it: "The Problem of Pain." Um, if you're going to read a chapter, read it on divine goodness. It's excellent, and um, and so and, and Lewis says this one thing, and I, because I can't take up the whole thing, but he says, you know, his his idea there is is that God's not necessarily pursuing your happiness. And that we, too, sometimes we say, well, we just want you to be happy. But he makes a point that you could be happy and put your dog down because you're watching it suffer. I mean, because you want the dog to be happy, you'll have the dog's life taken. Because happiness is not necessarily a quality of depth of relationship. Just, oh, I just want you to be happy. A lot of times what people are doing when they say that is, I don't want to have connection with you. I just want you to be happy so you'll leave me alone. <laughs> At least that's what I've thought. <laughs> Please be happy so you don't have to bother me anymore. But love, he was saying, goes much deeper. Love has to get the impediment out of the way but in the relationship. Love wants to take the thing out that's bringing the disconnection. So God will uh, confront you. And your spouse might, too. <laughs> um, he says, he goes on to say, we will not distort the word of God. But by open proclamation of the truth, we will commend ourselves to everyone's conscience. God ever gave you a promise before? You ever went and told anybody about it? And they're like, who do you think you are? <laughs> well, you think you're so special? I love this about Paul. He's saying, I'm going to go and proclaim the truth of the promise that God's laid in my life. I tell you, I, I recommend it. It's humbling. <laughs> the Lord told me. I'm going to have this. Uh, this is what he's going to do in, uh, in my marriage. This is what he's going to do for my family. He told me he's going to save my kids. He told me that he was going to bless this thing. You, you've got full-blown lymphatic cancer. He told me he's going to heal me. Uh, you can't even get up. But the Lord, the word of the Lord's come to me. The tether narrative of God has come to me, and it tells me a different reality. I believe it when I see it. No, I'm going to believe it before I do. God's looking for this. He's saying something is standing out in front of you. I want you to look at me, looking at you. Look back at me and declare what I've said to you. It can get uncomfortable in the context of others. And yet he says, I'll commend myself before everyone's conscience. It could sound a little like braggadocious. Uh, we used to get commendation medals in, in the Air Force. And, you know, and they call, they'll call you up and give you a commendation in front of everybody. And they say, 
that was fine because someone else is commending you. But when you're saying, I'm going to commend myself before someone else's conscience, I'm not saying in Proverbs where it says, let another man speak well of you and not yourself. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying that the word of the Lord, the word that he's given you, commend it. This is what the word of the Lord said to me. And I'm going to stand on it and I'm not going to back off. Well, we'll see about that. Well, yes, you will see about that. He goes on to say, but even if our gospel, this good news, this report is veiled. It's veiled only to the ones who are perishing. There's some people that you can't cast your, your pearls before. When you haven't tasted of this gospel truth that I'm presenting this morning, uh, people in this world have no concept of this. It's either left-based system or right-based system. And unless God opens their eyes, they're not going to understand what is even happening in this right now. They can't understand you. It's veiled. Because the God of this age has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. So that they will not see the light of the glory, this gospel of Christ. He's called us out of darkness, what? Yes, in his glorious, wondrous, marvelous light, he called us out of that place. He didn't call us to stay in that place. I remember last year in Collider, Lord's like, you change your outfit. You, I was wearing like all black. He's like, you've been in darkness. It's time for you to go into the light. I said, oh, thank God. This has been a long life of blackness, darkness. Gets into your mind. Collude your ability to actually see. Moses says, I'm going to run into the darkness where God is because he spoke of a dwelling in inapproachable light. So I'm running after him. If I got to go through this darkness to take the blinder off, off my eyes so that I can begin to behold the majesty of the man, Jesus Christ, behold him in glory. I think many people are, they don't know this. And, I, and, and Paul, I think, is challenging us. Don't sit on the outside of that cloud with your arms crossed. Don't sit out there in despondency and discouragement and he didn't come through me before, so I'm going to sit out there on the dark cloud. That's what Israel was doing in the day. Remember, they said, you go up to the mountain and we'll stay back here in our tent doors. They could have all went up. They could have all been with the Lord right there with the light shone forth and it broke forth in their midst. But no, they had got this kind of characterization with a Sinai mindset, instead of praising the God, instead of praising the one and his Tevin narrative over the narrative of their life, they took the narrative of their life and they sat there on the outside and they didn't worship him in spirit and in truth for who he really was and he wouldn't tell them anything. He wouldn't talk to them as a man talks to them face to face. Why? Because so many people are... They're willing to watch somebody else do this, but to run after God yourself. That's what I'm saying about uh, being in this worship set. That you don't just sit back on your laurel. You praise him with your whole heart, believing him. You trust him with your whole entire being, not with an arm crossed, with an arms out. Because it, 
It's not in just that action, but it's a transition of the heart that says, my eyes are beholding your glory. And I'm telling you what happens every time. You'll feel this love come into you that's unbelievable. Otherwise, it'll be shut down. As many as will receive him, he will give them the right to be called the sons of God. You must receive him for him to give you the right. Do you understand what I mean? You can have a posture, if you want, in this meeting, in any time, and keep a veil over your eyes if you posture your heart with an arm cross in your heart. He's not going to come through for me. i got to do this on my own. i got to make this thing happen. I'm giving up. I quit. And the Lord says, I'll wait on you. Listen to what it says in the passage. It goes on, he says, They wouldn't see the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the very image of God. When you behold him, you become, excuse me, to see him as he, you're transformed. You're transformed in this action that he's declaring here in 2 Corinthians 4. Paul knew it and he's going after and he says, now I'm going to even go beyond this. I'm not even going to proclaim myself. This gospel, this man, Jesus Christ, stands on his own. I've watched this today. I felt this today in the worship. He's like, you know, go to Revelation 19, 11 and declare me to be me on my own two feet. I declare you as holy other than me. I declare that your glory is even more special than the redemption you've offered me. I declare you, Jesus, I declare you on your own apart from whatever or if you ever would do anything for me because you're deserving of the praise and the glory and the honor. I'm not even going to proclaim myself, he says. I'll proclaim Jesus Christ our Lord as the Lord. And I'll say that I've become a slave or a bondservant for your sake. I've literally allowed myself to be put into a position where I was liberated, but I don't want that liberty for my own freedom anymore. I've made myself completely given over to him. I'm going to like live every day like I'm not doing anything in my own. I'm not going to go grasp. I'm not going to go try to make anything happen. I am completely being given over for you. And I've done that for his sake alone whether I get any reward out of it or not because he he deserves it you want to praise God go there oh man I think the greatest praise I've experienced with him is when it had nothing to do with me anymore but it was all about him oh that's glory God said Let light shine out of darkness. In Job 38, one of the first questions God asked Job, he says, can you tell me where is the way to the dwelling of light? Where is the place of darkness? He said, do you know how to go into inapproachable light, Job? You know, Stephen, I was talking this week, he said, Something to the effect that you think God's using rhetoric to ask Job questions so that he could show that he's somehow superior to him. 
I mean, that's what I heard you say. I said, no. He is, though. I said, I think he's asking him the question because Job doesn't know what question to ask so that he can give him the response as well, himself. Because you didn't know the way to where the dwelling of light is, nor did you know where the place of darkness is, but now you do. This place of dwelling, a place of permanency of light. He's the one who said this. Listen, let light shine out of darkness. You know what? Anything God says, he sees. Hear me. When he declares it, it is. Did you know that you're made in his likeness and image? So much so that you were meant to declare? And it is. Do you know what happened to us when we fell? There became a big gap between what he says and what we see. Do you know what God wants to do? And you shrink the gap. Welcome to Zion, where the gap has been shrunk. Where there's no gap between what you say and what you see. That's what he has. It doesn't do the Lord any good to be like, I got a one-up on all you guys. Pretty special, you know. You'll never like amount to as amazing as I am. <laughs> I'm really super sauce. Yeah. What good does that do? Jesus didn't come so that he could go around doing that. He came so that we could be like him and still yet have our own distinctiveness. Kelly Manning can't be Jeff Manning. Thank God. They have their own fingerprint. They come from a different place. They're one flesh now. It doesn't do Jesus any good. And I, the technical word for this is Jesus is not just instrumental in who he is. He wanted to be local in his people. He wanted to be local in you. And that's the series that we're in that will last till October 30th. The ten aspects of Jesus' Christology installed in our human anthropology. And the blessing of these ten attributes of who the body of Christ is. You know, I've heard the body of Christ, especially in the charismatic church, for a long time. It never really occurred to me that the whole body of Christ was meant to be in you. I was like, well, I guess I'm an ear. <laughs> guess I'm a nose. Guess I'm the, like, little pinky toe. I might be the nail that's broken on the pinky toe. <laughs> you know? No, God wanted the whole body of Christ in you. In every person. His whole Christology installed in your humanness. His whole divine nature given to you. He wanted his light to shine in our hearts. And, and it says it here. To give us the light of the glorious knowledge of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Stephen, when we got up here this morning he says man I'm impressed with God's glory uh, uh, that we ascribe to him glory I said man yesterday I was walking down on Pearson's Falls Road and I think those bikers thought I was crazy because I was like fah, fah. you know I was had my earbuds in I, no actually I didn't I was singing my I was singing his song though I sit in darkness I shall rise 
the Lord is my light. And I'm losing, I'm taking, there comes, I'm like, oh, that guy. I'm like, ah! And, um, and I, I remember, I was like, I ascribe to you glory. And then when Stephen said that this morning, I said, oh, that's the word of the Lord. Because he said, we, we have this treasure in clay jars. Gideon. So the extraordinary power belongs to God and does not originate with you. The part that I didn't like about 2 Corinthians 4, he said we're perplexed on every side. <laughs> That's the part I was like, oh, just don't read that part. <laughs> but I'm not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but we'll never be abandoned. We've been knocked down, but you'll not be destroyed. Always carrying around in our body the death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may become visible in our body. You see it? For we who are alive are constantly being handed over to death for his sake. So that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our mortal body. Listen, don't resist zero. Don't resist the alignment of death. You know, I spent a lot of my life like trying to resist that, and I found it to be one of the great trans, the greatest transition moment you'll ever have as a believer. Instead of like putting your feet up, like ah, you know, this thing's coming to an end. I don't know how I'm going to make it. Lean in. Put your hands out, like he did on a cross. Lean in to zero. Lean in to completely being emptied. Because on the other side of that is always resurrection power. Don't rob yourself of a resurrection. And when it appears to you that there is no way from the left or the right to affect any change, lean in. Because though I've sat in darkness, I will rise. Because he will rescue me. want that which is invisible to become visible. And you as a believer of the Lord, you know that what I declare to you is the truth of God. You know why? Because I renounce every hidden and deceptive way that my own consciousness would be clear before you. That I will proclaim the mercies of the Lord this morning with you and I will lean in just like you 
And I will say, I will not turn to the left or to the right. Because you stand there, Lord, high and lifted up. And my eyes are on you. My eyes are fixed on you. And he's looking down. Fire. Light. Blazing out of his eyes. And I feel my heart transition into you. And I know you're the Lord. And I know you're faithful and true. Even though I've sat in darkness, I shall rise. And that which has been invisible to their eye will now be made visible. The glory of the light in the face of Jesus Christ. Lean in. Lean into the alignment of the ages. Lean into the word of God that is true.
Rejoice not against me, you enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. Who is like my God? All my enemies, watch them consume themselves. Who is like my King? reflection in a mirror then we will see everything with perfect clarity all that I know now may be partial and incomplete but then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely 
experiencing this, being known. Known now. Now, now. You know me now. Now. The then is becoming the now.
this conclusion out of 1 Corinthians 2.2. Listen to what he says. There was no knowledge of anything, no information that he wanted. Even all the doctoral degrees that he had, all the experiences that he had, a man of absolute brilliance. And he said, I've resolved. I made a resolution. You want a life resolution? Take the one Paul did. I've resolved to know nothing. I've resolved to come to zero, except for one thing, Jesus Christ and his crucifixion. I've resolved to lean in and throw my hands up. I've resolved that my posture, my philosophy of being will be just like my king. I've made this my resolution and my life standard. I've made the cross. Why? Because he knows that that's the only path to resurrection, power, and ascension. He knows that's the testimony that Jesus has. And he knows that that's what pleases the Father. Hey, believer. Make a resolution. Deep down in the firmness of my heart, I will not manipulate and control. I'm not made for the blue or red. I'm a royal. I'm of the purple family. I'm not in a party. I'm in a family that'll have parties. I'm in a family that's going to dance. Justice. I'm a family. I'm a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I'm declaring him and his marvelous light. That's who I am. broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We're kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're fools for Christ's sake. I'd rather be labeled that than anything in my life. Say he's crazy and say she's crazy. I'd rather be caught a loon than to deny him. Lord, you are the light. You are the salvation. You are the glory. May 
the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Drip down heavens from above and come down on your people right now with peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Desire. 